hello and welcome to <laughs> Leadership Chronicles, small business, uh, big leadership with myself, Odette de Beer. I am your host and today we are going to have a conversation about leading through a crisis, especially when there's a change and behavior change seems difficult. Joining me as always is Christo Pretorius, our resident leadership expert. Welcome, Christo. <laughs> Good day, Odette. Thank you very much. Once again, it's always great to be with you. I really enjoy the conversation, thought-provoking questions, and I believe the listeners will once again benefit by the discussion today. Awesome. So let's dive right in. My first question is, what are some of the common reasons you've seen um, in your experience for why team members or people in teams might resist behavior change, might resist change in an organization, um, and what are some of the things that we need to keep an eye out for, even when they understand the reason for the change or the benefit for the change? Yeah, I think a uh, very good question, first of all. Um, one thing that I've seen, and I, I know I spoke about it quite frequently, but it's just, it's, it's clarity. Um, you know, the, the conversation is not really clear. It's like John Maxwell said during COVID, you know, it's fine that in time of crisis to be uncertain, we just cannot be unclear. And so I've seen this over, over the years that um, clarity is such an important thing for people, you know. Um, mm. If you don't know where the goal is, running fast is not going to get you there. No. And so, yes, because a lot of the clients that I'm working with and, and some people the last year, two years, I've, I've made, you know, I've given them this one statement, this create your clarity. Because, you know, they are facing changes within their life, within their work workspace, um, and that's the, the, the constant thing that comes up is that there's not clarity. There's not clarity. I want to run. I want to do this. You know, I want to put my, my all into it. But, you know, I'm, I'm uncertain. I'm, it's unclear. I'm not sure where to go. Um, you know, we had this term in, in sport, in, especially in rugby, is that if you do it half-heartedly, you're going to get injured. You know, a lot yes. of people, you know, looking from the outside, you know, I mean, you know, with rugby, there's some big hits, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport. And, you know, people are like, you're going to get injured. And what we've realized is if you do it with all of your heart, you don't get injured. It's, it's normally when you are hesitant and when you are not giving it your all that you did, then get an injury. And so I believe it's, it's imperative within business that we are clear, especially when there is change. We have to be clear with um with the people you know um I think so that's what biggest... are the things that we need to be clear about i mean I, I could be very clear and say well you have to change i'm being very clear about that you have to change but what are sort of the things that helps create that clarity and what are the points that we need to be clear about if we want change to be successful yeah i think it's you know where we're going you know by when do we want to get there um, you know, who's going with us, you know, and, yeah, what's the reason, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's those, those type of things, you know, it's not just about where we're going. And I think that's where maybe leaders miss it is that let me give you the vision and, you know, go figure it out. And to some extent, that's why you have employees, you know, to figure those type of things out. But if you want to lead and especially within a smaller, and I think that's, you know, the focus for today is within smaller, you know, organizations, it's important mm. to be clear on, on those aspects, you know, where we're going, you know, when do we want to get there? Um, you know, who's going with us? Like, what's the boundaries? You know, in, in what aspect are we going to 
um, are we allowed to to make these changes, or where can I can I think out of the box within this decision making that we that we are embarking on? And mm -hmm. then something that's important, Odette, that I've also seen over the years is that sometimes we're not even sure about the, the clarity where we want to go, and then yes. you know there's constant changes, constant changes, constant changes. We we constantly change, you know, what we said we wanted to do. And that creates, you know, so much distortion within within an organization. You know, if you've made a decision to change, then stick to the change and go for it. Mm. Uh, but you know, changing and, and and wanting to, you know, do something else here and it's not going to work. Let's try this. You got to be clear on what we want to do, where we're going to go, and then give it a shot. You have to give yourself then, you know, six months or a year or two years, you know, depending on, you know, the situation. That you want to go on, you know. Um, so I think if I think if that answers the question, you've got to be clear on on multiple aspects. You know, it's not mm. just what we want to do, but you know who's going with us. That that's an important thing, because in in an organization, you know, and I mean in life, you know, life is built on relationships, and yes. you know, I can perform and I can do the task because I have the backing of people that are above me or the people that are working with me Correct. or people that I can delegate to. And sometimes when we do changes, you know, we change that um, dynamic as well without mm. even realizing. And then the person that needs to initiate or needs to run with a certain project does not have the resources in, mm. in relationships and in, in the people that they used to work with. So it's mm. vitally important that we understand who's going with us, you know, where we go, mm. when we want to go. You know, those elementary um, principles that, we, that we've become accustomed to that that we uh, sometimes just miss. I love that you say that because so um, if anyone has been listening for any amount of time, there would have been conversations we've had where we where I talk about the head, heart, hands concept. Mm -hmm. You have to touch, connect with the hearts of the person before you can influence their thinking, before you can determine or um, drive what their hands do, their behavior. And I think something that fits into this clarity concept is what's in it for the person that's got to make the change. We are organizational leaders and we want to achieve great things, but we forget that there are people who feel a certain way about things and yeah. those people need to be brought on the journey. And one of the things that I've, I've always said to, to uh, my clients and people that I'm talking about in this particular instance is that we have to take people on the journey. And part of taking them on this journey is telling them what's in it for them. Now, um, it, it, it's a change management tool that's probably as old as time. I, I recall learning this when I just finished school, which was much longer ago than I, I would like to admit. And the reality is it hasn't changed. In yeah. all the AI that's come on board, in all the changes in technology, people still want to know what's in it for them. We still have to connect to the hearts of the people before we can tell them to think differently or to do differently. And I think that's probably one of the shortfalls that business owners have. They know that they want to achieve something and obviously their heart is in the business, otherwise they wouldn't be doing the business. But the yeah. people that need to help them achieve it, they forget that those people have emotions and that we have to touch them, which brings us to the next question, which is how then should leaders balance between being empathetic and understanding and ensuring that the necessary behavior change actually happens so that the business or the organization 
changes, grows, gets better, whatever. Yeah, I believe if you if you deploy empathy towards you know the people that you lead, you know you're going to see behavior change. Um, there's a great saying that says the best form of forgiveness is change behavior. Yes. Um, you know, so I truly believe that if you deploy empathy, you're going to see um, a change in behavior. You know, if that person doesn't change, you know, if you truly have a, a culture of empathy, then maybe that person is not, you know, the right fit within that position or within your culture, you know, and, and mm -hmm. then as a leader, you need to make the tough decisions, you know, whether or not this person is, is going to be part of the journey moving forward, you know, and I mean, I'm absolutely not a big person on, on cutting people and letting people go because I do believe that every person has that ability to to change, you know, and, you know, if, if they fit into the culture in the beginning, you know, why not take it, you know, till the end. But if you deploy that that empathy and you truly have that culture, I believe the necessary changes will take, you know, take, take place for behavior um, within, mm. within those individuals, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I truly believe that like Simon Sinek says, it's not about leadership. It's not about being in charge, but taking care of those within your charge. And if and if we yes. really take time with those people, um, and and maybe understand, like if if let let's speak about this. If you have a, a small organization, then I do think the conversations, you know, with your your people, and especially when this change, there needs to be a lot more personal conversations. You know, that you sit. You down mean with. I can't just send an email? <laughs> you can you can do whatever you want to do but if you want to be effective if you want to be effective yeah oh. uh, you know then you definitely <laughs> have to, to have those conversations you know um yes. sit down um have those conversations you know i think perhaps that might be sorry i think perhaps that might be the the challenge um that small business owners struggle with and also don't take the time to do because it's time consuming to have these conversations. It's time consuming to take people on the journey. Yep. Um, they may at some level know that they need to do it, but it means that they've got to sit down and not do 50 million other things. The sales aren't happening while you're doing that. No one's answering the phone while you're doing that. And it takes a, an intentional decision to sit down and say, well, actually, this conversation with you is more important than whatever else is happening in the business right now. This matters because you matter. Um, and then having that that open conversation, I um, had a I had the privilege of being part of a conversation and watching an exceptional leader do exactly that. We had some changes in the organization at the time, and there were huge leadership changes at a senior leader level. So the people in the conversation were not um, admin staff. It was senior leaders who had been in this organization for probably about 20 years. They took the organization from a small, tiny little seedling and grew it into what it is today. And a new leadership came, came on board and there were some changes that need to happen. And this new leader was just phenomenal. Like, it didn't matter that it took us 40 minutes to go around the same topic over and over again, because every time, and perhaps this is this is useful to somebody, every time this person said, yes, but this, he would say, okay, let's play it out. If we did that, what does it look like? What do you expect? What are you scared of? What are you worried about? What risks could we face? What doesn't work? How do you think we can do it? And he kept on going back and saying, okay, Let's play it out. 
What does it yeah. look like? What are you worried about? What are you scared of? What do you think is going to happen? How do we mitigate that? And that went on for a good 45 minutes. And I kid you not, everyone around the table sat there going, oh, can we just get done? However, and I was also one of them, I'll be honest. I was one of them <laughs> going, oh, like, are we, like, really, can we not just, <laughs> we're doing this thing. However, by the end of the 45 minutes, the leader was able to shift the thinking and the perspective of the person that was seemingly a barrier to change to going, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they actually said to someone else, no, but now you're being a barrier to change, which was beautiful wow. to see. Yeah. It took 45 minutes. And all it took was, okay, tell me what you're scared of. What are you wow. worried about? What is the challenge? Which I think is something that if we just took the time, and I know time is precious for everybody, but if your change is important to you and you want it to succeed, taking the time is probably something you should be doing. Which brings us to the next question. We have so many segues today. It's fantastic. Can you give us some pointers on how to handle a tough conversation with a team member that's not embracing change. So we've already said that this is for smaller organizations. And this is a, a important topic for me because big organizations have many people and they can plug the holes. It's not an issue. You don't yeah. like it. You leave. We'll find someone else to do it. But smaller no. organizations, small businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, mom and pop shops generally don't have millions of people that can just plug the holes. So it could very well be that this person that is being the barrier to change is also the only person that can do the job at the moment. So how do we handle that conversation? Yeah, maybe I'll answer it from, from two ways. You know, if, um, if you have already a, a relationship with that person, you've got a very good, um, you know, relationship. It's, it's been built over time. You know, then for me, I will just approach it by, I'll take the person out of the, out of, out of, out of the, the scene or, you know, out of the office, you know, take them to a, um, a different place, just get him out of the environment and just, you know, just sit him down and find out like, you know, how's he doing or, or she, mm -hmm. how are they doing, you know, just from a, a personal perspective, family, friends, because there's always a reason why people yes. don't, why people resist. And so yes. that would be my, my type of style, you know, to take them off site. I've done this, done this many times and just start asking questions about them, about their life. First of all, that catches them off guard completely <laughs> because they are already expecting you're going to lay down the law. Yes. And um, now you, first of all, you you take them away from work. So it's not even about work. So they're like, okay, what's this about? You know, then you start asking them all these questions about how they're doing, um, which is then, like I said, it just catches them off guard. Um, but mm -hmm. even though you know that, you, that you're really serious, you are... Um, you're really deploying empathy towards them. You're really interested in who they are. They think mm. open. And, yes. and I, probably, I would probably say 80, 90%, if not every single time, you know, it was then easy to discuss the, the, the problem, you know, later when we get back to the office because this person has opened up and I've now realized it's not just the resistance because they don't want to. It might just be that they're unclear. Or it might be that they are they are holding on to something because they were they were part of establishing that within the organization, and mm -hmm. for them it's that you know we're changing something. It's like you are breaking down what I have built. Yes. So having that conversation with them and you know really taking them out of the, the situation um, really has created a lot of fruit for me, you know, in, in the way that I handle and work with people. If you maybe don't have that initial you know um, relationship, or maybe you you're not the type of leader that 
you know, sits down and, you know, gets involved in people's personal lives. So I want to find out how they're doing. You're all about the bottom line, which I get because there are people like that. I think it's important to, to drive down, um, you know, a couple of things is you've got to be clear about your expectation. You know, you've got to keep the com communication constant. You know, and you've got to be candid. Uh, I think it's really important. I heard um, Jack Welch said this many, many years ago, that if you have to fire an employee and that employee is surprised, he says you're the problem. Yes. It's, it's, it's your responsibility to have conversations with people over the months and the years to let the, in order for them to always know where they stand and then to realize yes. that people don't fit in. So, um, so then obviously you've got to be candid with them and then you've got to have, keep that conversation open. You know, you constantly mm -hmm. have to to quickly get jump on what you said earlier about you know it takes time to sit with people you know what takes more time <laughs> looking for new ones <laughs> and training new people or you know? fixing the things they broke because you didn't take the time to speak to them yeah that's true absolutely <laughs> that's okay. i saw i saw a clip of wussi tembaquayo speaking uh, not too long ago i can't tell you exactly when i saw the clip and he was saying that there is no such thing as bad soldiers, only <laughs> bad generals. And I must be honest, I loved it. I think actually you may have shared it. And I looked at yeah. it and I thought, you know what? That is a hundred percent true. Because yeah. you, if you are a leader, it's your responsibility to set the tone. It's your responsibility to set the pace and to be clear, like you said in the beginning, in a time of uncertainty. And if you cannot do that, then people get iffy. They they tell themselves stories. That's we all do that. I do that when I'm uncertain about something. I make up a story. Yeah, it must be because so so and so. Not the case, but I've made up a story because there's no other information available. So I've got to, my brain has has to find a way to make sense yep. of the situation. And it's so true. If we as leaders could just be clear, we don't even have to sugarcoat it. Like I get that we have to be sensitive in how we relay messenger, messages. But the reality is people are not looking for sugarcoating. Yeah. They want to know where they stand. Nobody wants to wake up wondering, oh, gee, am I okay? Does my boss like me? Do Am I doing a good job? All of those things you've just mentioned just creates anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the reality is it creates stress. Now, another one of my favorite topics is neuroscience. And when the brain is in stress, the brain cannot think clearly. You make really bad decisions when you are stressed. So if you are creating an environment where your employees or your team is stressed all the time, I yep. guarantee you that you are creating an environment where they are going to make bad decisions. And that's not on them. That's on you. That's so true. And it creates resistance. You know, yes. if, if, if all of those things take place, you're going to resist. Um, I mean, if, if, if I know, you know, coming to your point on... Um, you know, neuroscience, you know, if, if you're not that I'm at all, you know, familiar with, with that in the depth that you are. But if my brain knows, listen, my I'm going to burn if I put my hand on the plate, I'm going to resist. You can come and you can try and put my hand on there. Unless you are stronger than me, yes, then my hand will ultimately end up on that, that hot plate. Um, and, and that's sometimes what happens is now you have this power struggle, you know, because mm. you want to enforce the things that you want to change because mm. you can and, and yes. yes, you can. You know, it's like, can I just send an email? Absolutely, just send an email. Um, <laughs> but it's not going to be effective. So, yes, you no. can force somebody, you know, to, to obey and to, you know, to submit to the change and whatever the, the situation might be. You can absolutely do that. You're the leader. Um, you're the boss. You're the, 
you're the owner, but it comes down to that effectiveness. And, and do people have your trust? Yes. Um, you know, I think it's Bill Gatti wrote a book on the speed, um, business by the speed of thought. Um, but here's another concept is, you know, business by the speed of trust. Because if we trust one another, we can do things so much faster. Your, your, your instructions can be limited, but I can still get the job done because there's yes. trust. And, mm -hmm. you know, forcing your way on or your, your mentality or change on people, you know, is not going to develop trust. Mm -hmm. And so in both those instances where one, you know, take the person out and go sit with them and, and just find out how they're doing or having a, a, a candid conversation, you know, trust is really the, the, the central part there. Um, yes. If people trust you, you know, they can, they'll go to war with you. And it comes back, man, <laughs> it comes back to you have to first connect with the heart of the person. So there is a concept we discussed during the Business with Altitude Summit where we said, if you think about this, it's called the advocacy engine. And that advocacy engine doesn't just apply to your customers. It, it applies to your business. It applies to your family, your friends, your everything sits around this, these three things. First, you must have clarity, which you've already said. Yeah. Next, you have to have accountability. We can't create a job that everyone is responsible or accountable for because then somebody thought, everyone thought that someone would do it and at the end of the day, nobody did it. That's And then you want to be upset. Oh, how dare they not follow my instructions? Well, you were unclear and no one was really accountable. And then once you've got those two things in place, you have to be consistent. And I mm -hmm. think that's one of the difficult things to do. Consistency is probably every entrepreneur's biggest challenge. It's really hard to be consistent. However, if you can be consistent, then you build trust. When you build trust, you build loyalty. When you build loyalty, you build advocacy. And when you've got advocacy, you've got people's hands forever. You can tell them to march into a flame and they will do just that. But you don't have that. And you cannot have that if you don't have the first thing, clarity, accountability, and consistency. And then you can say, okay, well, now that I've got those three things, now I build trust. And it's true for any relationship. Your relationship with your wife, my relationship with my husband, with my kids is exactly the same. I first had to be clear about what needs to happen. Then I need to be accountable. If I say something, my kids know. Like, there is no two ways about it. This is what's going to happen, which means that they know it's coming. And also, I try, I try to be consistent and I'm human sometimes. I'm not. But for the most part, I'm consistent, which means that my kids know they can trust me. They know that if I said this thing, then this is the thing that's going to happen. And it's the same for our customers. It's the same for our employees. And when we create that environment, it really doesn't matter what we face because we're facing it together and people know that they care, they are cared for. I think yeah. John Maxwell says, um, people don't care about what you want until you know that they, until they know that you care about them. And that's 100% true. Yeah, that is so true. You, um, you mentioned something on accountability where you said that, you know, not everybody you know, must do the same, same, same task. You know, we need to, to write those things out and have, have it clear. And maybe just to help leaders, especially with small organizations. I've seen it so many times is that everybody does everything. You know, if there's, if there's something that needs to be fixed, you know, just fix it. Just, you know, take, take charge and fix it. <laughs> and, and, and yes, you can maybe run it for a while like that. But as a leader, I would encourage you while that is taking place, it is absolutely your responsibility and it should be your focus to start creating clarity on who will do what moving forward. Mm -hmm. Because you want to have 
you know, like Sam Chan says, proper people placement prevents problems. Proper yes. people placement prevents problems. And so it's your responsibility, leader, to create those capacities, those positions moving forward and slowly but surely start putting people into those positions because that's where they will flourish. And that's where you will start forming a structure. And I don't know if you've seen this, Odette, but with, with small organizations, you know, is that there's not really a structure. There's not really reporting lines because, you know, whatever is, is said from the top, people just run. And, you know, one week this person is, is, is charged with that. The next week that person is charged with that. And there's not consistency, your, your third point. So I really want to encourage, you know, um, leaders that have small teams is as soon as possible, you have to start creating those capacities. Even if it's just you start thinking about it, you start mm -hmm. talking about it. Um, and, and that's something on change that I maybe just want to mention is that change takes time. Change takes time. It's not just going to happen overnight, you know. Um, oh. There's a lady, Nancy Dorwin, she made the statement. She said, change is fun. When it's when done. It's done. <laughs> you know, so, but it's going to take time. Um, but once again, you know, time is, time is precious, mm. even more so. You know, let's take, let's take the, the, the time that we need in the beginning to set it up right. My mother-in-law's got this amazing um, saying. She says, things don't go wrong. Things start wrong. Mm. Things Whoa. don't go wrong. Things start wrong. You know, and, and I had to personally look in my life, you know, you know, we went through a situation and, and, and that's, that's where my, my mom made the statement, you know, and then I really had to do a lot of introspection is to say, okay, you know, where that where the things start wrong? Because it's easy to say, yeah, things just, you know, things just started going wrong. No, no, things things was wrong all along. You know, we just haven't seen it. We were easy to patch it up. And sure. so once again, leader, try and set up, you know, your company. You have the vision, you have the the idea where you want to go. You might not have, have all the people, all the positions, but but start plotting those things out, planning those things out. And the moment you realize and see that certain people have the capacity, you start putting them into those positions and you will see mm. how the organization will start to grow and flourish. That structure is, is, is so important. And then just mm. lastly on, on um, you know, consistency that you spoke about, I listened to a podcast yesterday, I can't recall um, who was hosting it, but they made the statement, they said that out of all the podcasts that, that starts out, 90% um, of those podcasts don't go past the first episode. 90% oh, wow. don't go first the, the first episode. Then of the 10% that do, do more than one, only 90% of them um, or 90% of them don't go past the fifth podcast, the fifth episode. And um, they said, you don't even have to be good. <laughs> you just have to be consistent. <laughs> Um, and I love it. When they, said that, when they said that, I was like, mm, you know, um, very interesting. That is that is such an interesting concept because, I mean, I, I do listen to different people on, on podcasts and you always look at them and like, yes, these guys have got hundreds of thousands of followers. You know, they, they're great. They're amazing. But not realizing in the bigger scheme of things, you know, they are only a small, 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 minute percentile of people that have actually being successful, you know, um, same type of thing with golf. You know, I like to, to play golf. I don't see myself as a, a real good golfer, but I, I do like to play. And I, I read this, that the average golfer doesn't break 100. Now, 100 is the amount of shots that you play with with on the, the golf course, you know. And I mean, my average round is like anything from 
from 80, 85. Um, then I realized, well, I'm, I'm more than above average. But when you go to the course, you don't think that like I'm a half decent golfer. Mm -hmm. um, so just that consistency is, mm -hmm. is so key. You will become better. Everybody will become better. When nobody starts off great, um, just be consistent. Just be consistent. Love I love that. that. Um, there's something you mentioned, the building capacity and allocating people in, in a structure which is another one of my, oh, I'm really passionate about that. When you create the structure, you also have to create the systems because systems create freedom, but you can't create those systems. You can't create freedom if you don't have the structure. So if you feel like I want my team to be jack of all trade and master of none, that's fantastic, but you will never scale your business. Your business will never grow because you never create the capacity putting people into a structure so that you can create the system so that you can systemize, become efficient, start understanding what works, what doesn't, and actually drive excellence. Because you know what? Excellence doesn't come from um, multi doing multiple things. Actually, excellence comes from doing the same thing That's over, true. And over, yeah. and over 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 until you, you like get sick of it, but you continue no. doing it. And the other thing about successful business is that successful business must be boring for the owner. If your business is not boring, if you are fighting fires, you're doing it wrong. Because if you've systemized it and you've empowered your team to do what they need to do, then your business no longer becomes a, an environment where you have to continuously fight fires. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be times where you have to fight fires. Obviously, there will be. But if that's the norm, if you're always putting out fires, you're doing it wrong. I want you to um, clarify this. You say systems create freedom. Yes. Because I've heard so many business owners and leaders, they want things to be fluid because, you know, then we can move faster. You know, systems are going <laughs> to slow us down. Structures are going to slow us down. So <laughs> when you, when you mentioned I, I made a note, I wrote it down. I'm like, I like that. Systems create freedom. So maybe just because I'm sure, I mean, there, there needs to be more than one person that, that's listening to this that are saying, you know, systems doesn't create freedom. That's not what I've heard. That's not what, yeah. that's not the culture that I've been part of. So, so just explain it. I absolutely agree with you on that 100%. Um, and especially if you want to scale, it, yeah. it comes down to your systems and your, your structures. So maybe just, you know, give us the concept of or where it even started, just a phrase that systems create freedom. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a process engineer by trade. I have a Six Sigma green belt. Part of what I did was systemize and standardize. When right. people hear standard, standardization in small business, they think cookie cutter, they think vanilla, they think they can't stand out from the crowd. It's quite the opposite, actually. When you create a system, you give people... Um, tools so that they can become excellent in what it is they do. Now, you could still move your people around. They could still do different jobs. But the thing about a business that is scalable is it is consistent. You mm. can never be consistent if you don't have systems and structures and standard operating procedures. 
there is absolutely a need for people to be able to express themselves and to do things, but then you create parameters. And we've spoken about this before. You have to have operating parameters. So you've got to, the lines on the on the road. So you've got a solid line and a dotted line. Mm. I know that I, I can cross on the dotted line, but I have to stick in the lines on the solid lines. You've got to create those things. If you don't have a system, you don't have those lines and people are doing all kinds of things. The other thing about systems creating freedom, small businesses, especially small business owners or operators, you are the business, you don't own the business. They often go out and they will quote on a job and they will um, tailor everything. Now that's awesome. It's fantastic. It's so, it's so nice. Guess what? You cannot replicate anything that you've tailored. You cannot. If you cannot replicate it, how can you be consistent? We go to our favorite restaurant because we know when we walk in, the person at the door, the maitre d' is going to greet you in a certain way. It's always the same tone. It always produces the same feeling. They use different words, but you always feel the same way. Okay, so there's consistency there. You sit down, they bring you the menu that you know, you trust, and they let you know if they've changed something. It's the same menu. You make the order. It's generally the same thing that you've always ordered because it's your favorite restaurant and you like the same thing and they come with the same thing. So you order that thing. Then it comes to your table and it smells exactly the same as it did the last time you ate there. It tastes exactly the same as the last time you did when you ate there. And you feel exactly the same as the last time that you did that you ate there because yeah. they were consistent. Do you think that those things would be possible is if they changed it every single time someone ordered a burger. Absolutely. No. Well, not, so, not. <laughs> so the reality is while uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs and, and, and operators kick against this thing that says that they have to standardize, they've got to create structure. But if you don't create structure, you never create a scalable business mm. because you can wow. never scale something that you tailor. Now wow. let's take it a step further. Let's say you want to sell your business one day. You don't want to work in it forever. So in order for you to give it to someone else so that they can manage it on your behalf and give you the profits, you must have created a system. Mm. Otherwise they will go and do what you did and they won't do it the way that you did it. And your customers won't like it because it's no longer producing the same result that they can trust. So they will go elsewhere. Then you don't have a business. Business investors are looking for a business that has systems that can replicate a result, whatever that result is. And we miss the opportunity that sits in there. That does not mean that you can't still create a memorable experience. It doesn't mean that you can still you can't still be agile and flexible. Because guess what? In today's environment, you have to be agile. You have to be flexible. But you have to be um, producing the same result every time. If you're not producing the same result every time, there's no reason for people to keep buying from you. It's that simple. Well. Wow. Does wow. that answer your question? I feel like absolutely, like and more. Um, wow, that was that was gold. That was really, really gold. There, there's two things that that just stood out as you was was speaking about it. Um, the one thing is, I, I had a chat beginning of the week with some some friends and business people at at our church, and we're speaking about you know how's life with with the new one that we have a baby, and they said something that was so powerful. They said this is that you never raise your kid for today. You raise him for the future. 
Yes. And I'm thinking about businesses that it, it's so true. It's those those structures in the systems. It it it's it's not just for today. It's you got to plan for where business is going. Mm. Um, absolutely, so so true. So I, I really like what you said there. You know, so plan for the future. Implement systems for the future, mm. uh, because it's going to be that guiding rail where you need to go and where you want to go. Absolutely. And then the that I was that I was thinking about as you were speaking there is is this concept of the difference between a professional and an amateur, and we speak about specifically sports here. What's the difference between a professional and a difference between an amateur? An amateur does something until they get it right. A professional does something until they don't get it wrong. Mm. And it comes down to two things for me. Is if you have a system, then you know what you do. And then you mm. just consistently keep on doing it. Consistently keep mm. on doing it. Yes. Keep on doing it. You know, I'm thinking of like these pipelines. You know, mm. if you if you if you may be familiar, um, and even the people listening with like like network marketing, one thing that they speak about is build these different pipelines. Mm. And if you to Robert Kiyosaki and business people, they're like, you know, diversify, have multiple streams of income. Because yes. if you build one pipeline, then surely you can build another one. Exactly. But just build it right and then duplicate yes. it over and over exactly. and over. And you almost are going to have predictable results. Yes. And that's what people want. Your customers are looking for a predictable result. You would not have your house built by a builder that one day had a great review and the next day the building fell over. Yeah. The result is unpredictable. The previous, the first review you read, it was fantastic. They loved it. It's still standing. The second review says the building fell over. You're like, oh, no. The result's not predictable. I'm not going to put my money there. I think the other thing that I also want to stress is when, it, when we create systems in our business, we free up our own time. Because when I have created a standard operating procedure and I'm clear about the outcome, right? So there's two things here. There is what you do and what it needs to produce. So the outcome should always be the most important thing. I want you to produce a burger that looks like this. It smells like this. It tastes like this. It's got this temperature. It's got these ingredients. This is what it looks like. This is how big it is. These are the specifications of the result. Now, in a non-production environment, so service-based business, there is often room for you to deviate a little bit, not too much, but deviate a little bit in how you get to that result. As long as you get to the result at this budget, in this time, with this quality, I'm happy. Project management 101, time, quality, um, budget. Those things are in place, right? If you can produce the same result, then you can sort of deviate around how you get there. But if you've created a standard operating procedure and you've trained, very important, you've trained your people in that standard operating procedure, they no longer need to ask you 50 million questions about how this thing needs to be made. Now, suddenly, you're not being bogged down by answering questions from this person that wasn't sure how to do it, or last time you did it this way, this time you did it this way, now they're confused. So they still come to you and say, well, you know, I know the procedure says this, but I also know that you've done it like this, like this, like this, and like this. So now I don't know how you want me to do it. So that takes up your time. And time is your most valuable asset, second to you as an individual in your business. If you've created the system, if you've created the procedures, people don't have to ask you questions anymore because it's clear about what they need to do, how they need to do it, what quality it needs to look like, and what is the, out the outcome that you want. Now suddenly you've got time. So now you can go and work 
on your business instead of working in your business. That's very good. Would you say, you you used the example of the the builder building the house. Would you say that systems and structures are like blueprints? It's like house plans? 100%. Um, I love that. Yes, you're right. You know, you can either build your dream house or you can build a residential complex, you know. Um, And so sometimes, you know, people, you know, and that's the way that I I was thinking as she was explaining the systems is people want to build their dream house, but they want to have the return of a residential complex. Yes. Uh, Because everything must be, and it it comes to that thing of tailor-made, you know, that you said, um, your dream house can't, it, it's tailor-made, you know, but you're not going to reproduce that. It's it's one of a kind. Exactly. Um, so would you say it's a, it, it's almost similar? Like that's Absolutely. the way you look at it, that I want to have blueprints within my business. That's mm-hmm. why I need systems and structures. Yes. And that is what investors are looking for. Now, I know none of you listening to this are currently in the space where you want to sell your business. But in 10 years time, 20 years time, when you're tired of running the business, you want to sell it or you want to create a legacy, if you don't have a blueprint in place, no one will invest in your business. It's just that they'll look at you and go, oh, that's the same startup we saw 20 years ago. Still no structure, still no systems, still no blueprint. Because what you want to do is if you've got the blueprint, you can replicate it. Now imagine you took that blueprint and you created a franchise. Now suddenly, It's no longer about you doing the work. It's what you get other people to do that creates your wealth, that creates your business, that creates your legacy for your family. And we're all in business to make money. Let's not kid ourselves. That's not the purpose. That's the result. You can only have that result if you've managed it properly. And you're not managing it properly if you don't have a system in place. Wow. That was a a good um, masterclass on systems. So back to change management, Um, how can a leader know when it's time to transition a member of the team that's been resisting change to transition them out onto inviting them to no longer work there? Yeah, I think it's when when that resistance is is constant. Um, You know, if there's just absolutely no... um, yeah, no desire to change. You know, if there's, if it if it really becomes a blockage, you know, within the organization, mm-hmm. then then it's time to go. T.D. Jakes, you know, very well known preacher, um, he said something like this. You know, he says if people want to go, let them go. And you know, people might not say that, but their their heart or their attitude, you know, might might reflect that. And you know, that's mm-hmm. where maybe the one or five percent of the time, where you as a leader have to make the tough decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember this um, years ago. You might have still been in that meeting. Um, we were involved with cell groups at at that church, and we wanted to to plant another group. And I I got this principle that I shared that night is, you know, are we more concerned about the comfort of the people or the purpose of the group? Mm. And so so maybe that's that's a way that you as the leader can look at it. You know, is that it's comfortable to keep the person there because no feathers are going to be, be ruffled or upset. But what is the purpose of the group? What is the purpose of, you know, what's the bigger picture? And you got to yes. then make this decision towards towards that, you know. Um, Absolutely. So you are resistant. If, if they're resistant to the change and if the, the resistance is constant, then I think it's time to, to let it go. It's like um, 
Dr. Sam Chan, he's got he's got so many good sayings. <laughs> he says this, he that, you know, um, he speaks about about in-laws, you know, that comes and visits over the over the holidays. And he says this, you know, they like they like seafood, you know, after two days, they gotta go. You're not gonna keep <laughs> you're not gonna keep seafood in the in the fridge, you know, for more than two days. Maybe a maybe a steak, you know, you're gonna still keep it for a piece of meat for a couple of days and you know, um, some bribe rookies, but seafood, you know, it's gotta go. And it's like, yes, I think look at it that way, you know, you gotta determine what what is what is the what is the terrible smell. You know, what is causing that terrible smell within the fridge, within your organization? And then it's like, okay, you know, we've got to make that decision. You know, can we can we fix it or, you know, uh, does it need to go? So, yeah, I think if the, the resistance is constant, then uh, it's time to go. Then it's time to move them on. How on that note. It, important. <laughs> well, you well, you mean I can't just say, okay, you're fired, Donald Trump style. You can, once again, you can, but I don't think it's the right way. <laughs> Well, certainly not here in Australia. You cannot. Please don't do that. That is not a good strategy here. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're friends with the CCMA, then you know by all means go for it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> which comes back to systems and structures. Absolutely. Absolutely, you have to have a system and a process in place to gracefully exit people who are invited to no longer be part of your tribe. That's okay. Not everyone will always be in your tribe. People are there for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And if it's a season, well, guys, thank you so much. It's been awesome, but we now invite you to be a season somewhere else. It's okay. Another thing that um, um, Jack Welsh said, he said, love people the same way when they leave as when they came in. Oh. And so, you know, you don't, you know, firing somebody or telling somebody they don't fit in anymore doesn't have to be this nasty thing. You know, because wow. the person knows that they don't fit in. You know they don't fit in. Like, let's be mature about it. Yeah. Let's, let's help them along the way. And what I, I mean, there's just so much that I've, that I've learned from Jack Welch in, in, in this space is that he said what they would do is that when they realize that somebody is not fitting in, they would actually start helping that person while they're still working for them, look for another opportunity hmm. elsewhere. Because yes. it's going to be beneficial to both parties, you know. Absolutely. And then I really don't don't know why why these type of exits needs to be nasty. Um, you know, surely we can be civil, you know, about about these things, you know. Because at the end of the day, we love people. Um, well, we should. Do you want we, to 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 have somebody come into your organization the way that you send people out? Of course not. You know, yet organizations still do that you know you know what i think sits at the heart of that um i i listened to a statistic a while ago that said the older people get the less self-aware they become and one of the negative um things about being less self-aware is that you um sorry i'm just gathering my thoughts when you are not self-aware anymore you have the need to be right so we stand on our soapbox and um the soapbox is the ego and the ego says i'm right you're wrong and that's the eternal struggle that human beings have to overcome all the time so when we're on that soapbox of i'm right and you're wrong it's impossible for me 
to care about your feelings. It's impossible for me to, um, to, to see you as the person that I loved when you came in. But the moment I choose to let go of being right, the moment I choose to let go of making you wrong is the moment I free myself from the need to feed the ego. And that's the moment that I'm able to love people openly. But because we become less self-aware, the older we get, and it's, it's obviously not everyone. And if you are practicing self-awareness and you make sure that you, you pay attention to the things that you do and you might, you're aware of your impact on other people, then, you know, this obviously doesn't apply to you. But if you are less self-aware and you get into that environment, then you stop caring about people because now it's all about you and you become mm -hmm. self-absorbed and you have to be right and you have to feed your ego and your ego is like that horrible little gremlin that constantly needs to eat and every time it eats it gets uglier and uglier and uglier that's why people do it but that's why you need a coach and that that's actually why you start doing self-reflection and that's how you pay attention to who you are and the impact you have on the world and that's how you become a great leader when you start saying i don't have to be right and you don't have to be wrong this is Brilliant. just not a fit it's a it's a change in perspective. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. On that bombshell, what are your key takeaways from today's conversation that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, absolutely. The the fact of of clarity, you know, create your clarity. You know, when when changes need to to take place, make sure there's clarity. Uh, you know, be consistent. You know, you you spoke about it. I spoke about it. Um, it came up a couple of times. I think we spoke about it previously as well. Consistency is key. Um, not just consistent in, in, in the way you're doing, you know, but it's also what you're doing. Um, mm. That is important, you know. You need to be a person that's consistent. You know, when people look at you, it's like they almost know what they're going to get, you know. So consistency definitely um, is absolutely important. A personal takeaway is the, the systems create freedom. I just, um, I, I love it, you know, um, or I like it. Let me rather say it. I really like it. It's, it's brilliant. I'm going to definitely pick some, some thoughts there off, <laughs> off camera on, uh, on systems. And then like my, my final thought would just simply be this. <clears throat> Sorry. Is that some changes is um, unnecessary, but others are inevitable. Choose wisely. Mm -hmm. Oh, and on that note, we hope that you have enjoyed this chat with us today. If I can leave you with one thought, it's that you have to connect with the heart of any person that you deal with before you can think of influencing their thinking, and that will influence their behavior. So on that bombshell, thank you so much for listening, for watching. If you watch the replay or listen on the podcast, leave us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for more episodes. And remember, to hit the subscribe bell and the notification so that you can hear from us again. Have a fabulous weekend. Bye-bye.